mouth? What is it saying? This is a family show. Greetings, Pokey Pals, and welcome back to AOS Airwaves. My name is Gibbles and Bits, and with me is my bot lane bro and best friend, Deadbroke Nerd. Deadbroke Nerd, welcome to episode 26. It's been a week or so. This is our return episode after our uh, post-Lexington. Yeah, man. Uh, we're back, and we're better than ever, sort of, in one way. We're better than ever because we're not playing ladder. Um but, you know, other than that, if we were playing ladder, we'd be worse than ever. So it, it is what it is. It's uh, It shakes out to being uh, average time in Pokemon Unite. <laughs> it does. Well, we, we seem to have found some connections, which we've always struggled to be able to, to find as a team. But um, I think there might just be more avenues as well now for us to, through Discord or other means, to find teams to scrimmage. But the PUCL, which we'll get to, is back up in the swing of things, and we've got some some people we've been talking with recently that uh, have allowed us to avoid some of the things that make playing on ladder a bane uh, and yeah. draft in five in five scrims. So that's that's really great. Um, no one's picking Mewtwo in draft. No one would dare. Otherwise, yeah, if they want to be immediately shamed, you can't play in the tournaments anyway. So well, and we would just never ask that team to ever scrim again yeah no if they're wouldn't. gonna play mewtwo so you, we would just look and be like is that really the route you want to go it's like okay you, you you're sure? gonna find someone else to scrim with in the future yeah no 100 percent. mewtwo is in many ways going to be the primary uh axis around around which we rotate our discussions uh for today um but you know real fast i did want to say Obviously, we've been playing with very little Mewtwo over the last week, mostly because of all these scrims. Uh, having a ton of fun. Um, past Primeapes practices have been so much better uh, without that in play. And to be honest, um, I feel like we're, I feel like we're having some good success and learning a lot. And you know, one of the things that's so hard is, you know, has been practicing and trying to get a good practice where you feel like you learn something. And it's really hard when you have the giant asterisk that is Mewtwo. And so without that, we've been having a really good time, you know, digging, you know, sinking our teeth into our roles, figuring out which things combo with which other things and what kind of things are falling in draft. So um, I'll be honest, that that has been the saving grace for me, because a week ago I was about ready to just never boot the game up again. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely had a had less of an appetite to to do our own testing and to get out in front of like like on our own, go out and and, and play some games, play solo queue, duo queue, and that's big for me because I typically have been a little unfazed by some of the ups and downs that we've uh, had in the game recently or in, in past metas where even when there were problem children, I was able to kind of put it aside and I'm not someone who gets tilted pretty easily in game. So I, I was almost meta proof, but this has just become egregious enough where I just don't feel like playing ladder anymore. And I would so much rather save my excitement for our practices or for our tournaments where I know I'm going to get good quality unite and it's keeping me and my spirits up about being in the game. So 
less frequent right now in my own endeavors while we've also been playing some other great things and um, just enjoying the competitive scene, as I'll call it, for for Unite. But um, I part of that, truthfully, and we I'll, I'm not going to leave this out, is you and I have been playing and looking through and testing Lorcana quite often yeah. and yeah. loving it. So uh, this is a I'm going to give do a quick plug real quick for our other content. So you'll see over the course of this month and maybe even into next month. I don't know how long the content we recorded from Lexington will stretch, but we've got plenty of uh, Lorcana content coming out that will be accessible to everybody and some really high quality exclusive content that we're releasing periodically on our Patreon as well. So if you have any interest, if you're playing Lorcana, struggling to get cards, looking for cards, or just waiting till you can get cards and you're interested in playing the game, go check our Patreon out, even a little bit as a dollar a month. A dollar a month is fantastic. We helps us do a lot with the show, uh, fund some of our high quality content and be able to continue to put this stuff out. Um, and you will be heavily rewarded in the near future currently and in the new future with new episodes of uh-huh. a lot of really good uh, visual and audio uh, yeah. content for Lorcana. Yeah, because right now, the first episode today, as we're recording, came out on the podcast. That's Legends Cast. That's our sister uh, podcast that covers uh, digital card games. In this case, we did a physical one. But um, that came out today. And with that, obviously, on the Patreon, like Gibby mentioned, we have uh, literal gameplay videos that you know show all of us, myself, Gibby, uh, our other co-host, uh, Mark, and one of our, our longtime uh, friends of the show, Six Summit, we all got together, played a bunch of Lorcana, uh, did a draft, recorded all of it, and you could see some great gameplay. I edited the crap out of it. Uh, hopefully, you guys like it, but uh, there's there's lots there. So if if for whatever reason, you know, as a Pokemon fan, uh, you're interested in Disney Lorcana, this new hot card game, um, we can uh, direct you to the right place to get some of our content for that. So, anyways um yes good call on the plug there gibby um i do want to also plug another thing um which is our competitive league we are back again for season two of the pokemon unite challengers league that is a tournament uh, hosted by some lovely folks in remus and spv both of whom have come on the show great Love guys both of them. they are fantastic and uh um, they are now, of course, ushering in the second season of the league that they created, uh, all new, you know, video audio assets. Everything's looking, you know, very, very pretty and professional, um, more teams this year or this, a lot this of season. new teams. Yeah. So, I mean, only there were six two before. returning us being one of them. Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, um, some big names too. Uh, there is a, a top eight EU team in Giga Chad that has, that is, uh, you know, going to probably run the tables, but that's all right. We're excited to play them. Yeah. I mean, whether we lose to them, them being a great team or we take a game off of them, they will be, it'll be a great learning experience regardless for us playing against them. But, um, yeah, real quick, I'm just going to shout out for in case anybody else in the league is listening. I would be remiss to not do that. I mean, so both us and our good friends over at Chemico Esports mm-hmm. are the two teams that are returning from PUCL season one. 
Um, and for season two, we have some new teams in Tetrex, who we played in week one, had a really good set against them. Uh, Pseudo Legends EU, Goldenrod Press, Oni, GigaChad Cooking, which was GigaChad Gaming, but now they've renamed themselves for the league, GigaChad Cooking. And the lo- their logo is hilarious. Yes. Uh, Misfits, Illusion Esports, and Type Whooper. So uh, we have a lot of really good new names and new people to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in anything, learning about anything about the PUCL or where you can find it, let us know. We'll be happy to to send some links to the weekly, as I call it, the weekly fixtures. Yeah. Or the the weekly. And you know, I honestly, I can probably just put the Twitter and their uh, Discord down in our show notes. So I'll I'll be yeah. sure to put those links in there uh, as well, so you can scroll down and get connected and watch us play uh, on Saturdays and or Sundays, depending on the the schedule. But uh, this this Saturday at I believe three p.m. Three. 3 p.m. Um, Eastern is when we'll be playing Type Whooper. against Type Whooper yeah. for for season or for for week two. We went uh, technically three and zero in week one. We won our first two games, and then unfortunately, Tetrex, our our uh, opponent, was unable to have uh, be able to get all five to be able to hang around and play the third match because we do play three three matches for each three each games, matchup yeah. does play three games each week. So it's not a best of three. It is you play three matches and you get points, points accordingly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we got a, a, a default win just because they weren't able to field the five for the last game, but, uh, looking forward to more games this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And the games, uh, all of the games. So if you do want to watch, uh, our set against, uh, Tetrix, you can actually check that out on the YouTube page. I just remember that they have been uploading those throughout the week of just the games, no filler. Uh, and, um, I'll link that as well. So anyways, we're super excited to be back in the PUCL. It really does give us something to work towards and to practice for. Um, we did a bunch of scrims on Monday uh, and just the hype carried directly over from the weekend. And we had mm-hmm. a great practice and we're, we're going to have another great practice tomorrow. I, I hope um, so. Um, yeah, that's that. Now let's move on, I guess, to our primary uh, sort of, discussion here right so all of this is spawning uh and and is going to move through the mewtwo debacle but to start supposedly there will be a balance patch this week now at time of recording i have not and i did some checking earlier today i have not seen any patch notes that have been confirmed now there was a a fake leak earlier in the week um, basically if, if anyone leaks anything and their name is not El Chico Evie, I, nobody can trust it. it. It's not, it's not worth putting much stock into. Yeah. It's a, I'll see it when it happens kind of thing. Unless El Chico Evie says it and he's been wrong before too, but very uh, rarely, though. very rarely very uh, with rare. the amount, with the amount of information El Chico Evie has put out, mm-hmm. like in total, if you looked at his like statistical percentage of being correct and accurate about what the changes are that are coming. And that I even mean, it counts, always, right? I mean, and that even accounts for last-minute producer changes uh, before it actually hits live. Yeah, he's very accurate. So I've not seen anything from El Chico Evie mm-hmm. either. I think you're probably searching at the moment just to make sure I did. we don't miss anything. Yeah, but yeah, there are going to probably be a couple adjustments and well, because there's we'll, a because the season well, reset will be this week. Yes, the season reset will be this week. We'll get a new battle pass shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that usually also spells some uh, balance changes, nerfs, buffs, what have you. Yeah. And, I, and I believe 
we're due for a couple additions to uh, battle items as well. Yeah, supposedly the cursed bangle and cursed whatever the other incense. thing is, incense, uh, two items that uh, reduce healing effectiveness. Um, I think I did see something from El Chico Eevee that which was a clip of a Delphox throwing Delphox with the cursed whatever item on throwing the fireworks unite move on top of a Snorlax and the Snorlax's potion doing nothing. So the combination of those two healing reduction effects were stopping the Snorlax from healing uh, with his potion. So very uh, interesting. It's going to be something, I mean, you know, we played Delphox uh, in game one this weekend because we highly value the fact that it is the only thing in the game that stops healing effects. And when you are facing down a, a Gudra and uh, what was the other uh, tank they had? They had Crustle. No, that was... Didn't they? No. They had a Gudra and, and something else. I Maybe a Blastoise. I don't exactly remember. It was a Blastoise, yeah, because I remember me looking the crap out of that Blastoise. <laughs> um, but when they've got, you know, two tanks and a healer... Oh, no, no, no. Was, it wasn't in a Mammo? There was a Mammo in game two, but I'm talking about game one. They, I think it was okay. Gudra and Blastoise. Anyways, point is, uh, you know, these heavy defenders and healers that are really strong right now, like... You know, Delphox is nice. Delphox feels real nice. And now if you don't have to pick Delphox to get anti-healing, that could be really big. Um, so that could be like truly just completely meta re redefining. And that's just the item. So um, point is, we don't know what balance changes, if any, will come out. Maybe nothing, but I'm hopeful. Uh, instead of talking about what should get nerfed, because we could wax poetic about that all day long. Let's instead quickly talk. Uh, give me two characters. I want you to pick two characters that you would like to see a buff. Um, obviously, like we can look at some of the lowest win rate Pokemon in the game right now. There's a lot of Pokemon right now underneath a 45% you know, percent win rate. Uh, there's even more underneath like a 49% win rate. Like, Three, you know, three quarters of the field are below 49% win rate, which is not the end of the world, but like, you know, still, um, the meta's really crappy right now, and there's a lot of Pokemon that are in desperate need of uh, just life support, just to stay afloat. What do you think there are the two that you'd like to see buffed? So, if I had to pick just two, I mean, we've got such a wide character pool now that there is, I'll say for probably half of the roster there is some sort of justification that you could make for a buff um i think it's important now at least to look at the roles in general that a lot of the pokemon play into and that is cause enough in some cases for what should receive a buff for me the first one in general is gengar um, I think Gengar has been so abysmal for so bad, like for so long, especially with the premiere of some uh, some very good speedsters or even just junglers, because that is where you can expect to see Gengar. Or he has historically been is in is in the uh, the speedster role of of playing in jungle. Um, Leafeon is is fantastic. It's it's almost but ban worthy now, or it's in for, at least for us, it was in ban consideration for some of our. Our draft practices and things like that 
um, across the entire roster just because it is that good. And that is saying something considering how many really good defenders are out there right now. So when you look at the the spread and the antithesis of how far away from competitive play Leafeon is and the damage it does and some of the survivability and movement abilities it's got versus something like a Gengar, I do think Gengar does need a buff. Um, the problem is for me is that it is just so weak into the late game that it just doesn't like you may get kills in the mid game. And if anything, what that does, it just propels the rest of your team to be able to play the map a little bit better and it gets the rest of your team ahead, but you still are almost coming into a a fight four V five at the end of the game, just because it doesn't have a whole lot of effect. It usually just gets blown up too easily by unite move or some sort of AOE effect. It just doesn't live through it. And it doesn't have enough damage in the late game to be able to burn through enough health of an opposing opposing Pokemon. So I do think Gengar is in line for some love. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I think the second I'm going to choose, and this is going to be a little, this is going to be a half buff, half rework in a way. I do think they need to adjust some of Snorlax's moves. Um, in, in that oh. you could see a, an effect. You could see a buff come out of it and the overall playability of the character competitively. But I think there are, are moves that have been so power crept in the defender role yeah. from Snorlax and some that like, like flail at this point is feels so out of place. It's, it's it feels move. like a dead move and it feels so out of place that it is just yeah. not worth it. Um, I also think you could do a little bit more with its, with its alt move with its unite move. Um, yeah. Yawn is seeing more play, ironically. Like like the for a long time it was always heavy slam block. Mm-hmm. And Yawn is seeing a little bit more play, but I wouldn't even mind seeing Yawn go away and it being replaced with something that is more exciting or right. more unique or impactful. So um I think about half of Snorlax's kit, or even if you just redid the whole thing, would be really interesting. And I'd have to imagine with the creativity that the developers and the producers are coming out with on these new kits, that it would be an overall buff level setting it against the other high defender play that we are seeing out that right out right now in the meta. I really like those selections, Gibby. I agree, especially the flail and Snorlax as a Snorlax player. I've never once clicked flail, not once, even when quote unquote flail was a meme was meme viable. It's not even meme viable anymore. It's just, it's completely dead in the water uh, as a move. And to be honest, you're right. Like, he does so little damage, you know, even as a off tank. Like, you've got better off tanks that do a lot more damage. It's just, yeah, he's 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 a little bit... It's not that he's never viable, because there's absolutely situations where he can be picked. He did see play at Worlds. It's just... Yeah, defender role is super power crept. You're totally right. Um, I want to look at... Uh, there's so many. Honestly, like half the speedsters. Like, it, it, my first instinct was to say uh, Talonflame and Zara because, like, of how pushed out most of the speedsters are from Leafeon, Dodrio, and Zoroark. And even Zoroark is seeing much less play I think the only reason sure. Zoroark is still seeing play is because Overlord makes it look, you know, phenomenal at uh, at Worlds, right? So it's like, all right. But truthfully, I think the things that I would really like to see buffed 
um, I think it has to be the uh, uh, Scyther and Scizor, both of them. I'm just sad because I love me some bug Pokemon. Scyther feels completely useless as a speedster compared to everything else. Yeah. Scyther feels worse than Scissor, I think, comparatively between the two of them, but they could both see some love. They both need some love, and uh, both of them just struggle so hard into the meta right now. I mean, you they literally can't play against Umbreon. Mean Look completely uh, guts both of them to the point of like it is that the, you auto lose almost if you play against a Mean Look Umbreon uh, with any level of discipline. So that's pretty sad. And I just say it as a more of an emotional tie because I just always loved Scyther and Scizor. Uh, and I just yeah, I hate to see them struggling. Um, you know, after that, the thing that I really would love to see a buff, I'm not going to say Wiggly even though I always say Wiggly, so I'm not going to say it. Um, I think it's Chandelure. I don't think you'd be wrong for saying it, though. No, I don't think I'd be wrong. I've just, I'm a broken record on Wiggly Tough needing some buffs. I think Chandelure needs a buff, a.k.a. they shouldn't have ever nerfed it. Uh, Chandelure was totally fine, and they nerfed it into a lack of playability, and this Pokemon has only been out, what, three or four months? Four months, maybe? It's one of the newer Pokemon to the game. It is really unique. It's a you know fan favorite, and it's sitting at a forty-seven and a half win rate uh, on ladder. It completely gets gutted by uh, all of the speedsters and you know, frankly, a lot of the defenders and stuff because they neutered Imprison. Um, and Imprison was already on a high cooldown. They just further increased the cooldown on the only thing that could give it a semblance of you know self-defense. So, um, I'd like to see Chandelure get buffed. I think it's a cool, skill-expressive Pokemon. It has obvious weaknesses, which is, like, any Pokemon that I'm like, this doesn't have an obvious weakness, I, like, am hesitant to suggest that it gets buffed. Like, Sylveon? I'm always hesitant to suggest that Sylveon get a buff, because I think Sylveon has no clear, this is what it's weak to, because it has lots of different playstyles in its kit, right? But something like Chandelure obviously has a clear weakness, and so I don't mind buffing it and saying, hey... You need to dedicate some, you know, in a draft, you need to dedicate a space to being able to take out the Chandelure on the back line. That's fine. I don't mind that. Um, so to me, to me, what I agree with your your evaluation and your sentiment that Chandelure could really use some love. Yeah. But it's not on what you said. I think Flamethrower. Flamethrower well, is yeah, my favorite move of the kit. Flamethrower is my favorite move of the kit, and I think it of the of the moves that it has is the most skill expressive because it really rewards you for hitting that shot and catching a Pokemon at the end of the blast and getting that cooldown reduction. But if you don't hit that blast at the end, okay, now you have to kite back. You have to wait. It's also, it's almost like a, it's almost like a ranged Pokemon sort of feel with the Zoro. Like if you don't hit your combo, okay, now you need to retreat. You need to get out and you need to wait till you can set it up again. Right. Um, and I think that would, for me, yeah. would allow the most skill expression on Chandelure while also raising its ceiling is, and I don't think it has, needs to be anything else to do with the cooldown reduction. Maybe maybe a half a second more on the cooldown reduction if you hit, sure. Mm-hmm. Or you just raise the damage on the blast at the end. Like that's 
That's the reward yeah, that I, playing I can, that I can, Look, needs. I can get on board with the flamethrower uh, buff too. I just think that yeah. at the end of the day, either Poltergeist or Imprison needs to be better at doing what it's mm-hmm. supposed to do, which is protecting the squishy three-stage Evo attacker. <laughs> like, and yeah. if, 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 if um, Chandelure was not a three-stager, it would be sliding into the Nine Tails, um, Mew, Espeon slot, right? The you know, the Inteleon slot in the bot lane. But because it's a three-stager, it's super vulnerable at the beginning of the game. It takes too long to get online. And unlike Delphox, which is in a similar situation to it from like a scaling perspective, um, it doesn't have the same level of, you know, team utility that um, that Delphox offers, um, which is why people, despite the downsides that I just shared, people still pick Delphox. Uh, but anyways, so those are the two Pokemon I would like to see get buffed. So there's la, 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 Scyther Scizor uh, and um, Scyther Scizor Chandelure. Um, but yeah, also, also, I, I just, I really would love Zara Aura to be good. Um, they buffed it, and it, I, I said it, I said it on the podcast a while ago. They buffed zara and it's not gonna be enough i said it it's been true he's dead in the water still like anyways whatever um yeah there's a there's definitely here's my problem gibby what and and i'm curious to see what you think about this like would you agree with the idea that there's significantly more meta pokemon than ever before but at the same time there's significantly more pokemon that are completely useless from a competitive yes. standpoint. Yes, and I, I think that as the roster continues to grow, I think that's inevitable. I don't think that's anything to do with a, a lack thereof in balance. Or like, yeah, like they could always buff something else. No, but I'm, I'm try, saying like try there's try a to gap in the middle that's right. bigger than like, ever yeah. before. Right, like you could, always, you could always make something better and bring it up into that meta category and try to continue to adjust it to where everything, at least as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. is meta-viable. Um, but they've released a lot more into the game that has been meta viable than not meta viable that has like fallen out, but it has definitely has absolutely raised the bar and has pushed some of the, the current roster and existing roster down into a category where it's just not feasible. Yeah. You can't, it's not justifiable to play it in a competitive nature. Um, Do you, do you think we're ready for more than one ban? And if so, how many? Um, more than one ban is an interesting thought. Um, I think so. I think we could do two bans and I wouldn't be upset about that. What I would love to do is I'd love to have, I'd love to have, and I think you've mentioned this in the past is do a ban at the beginning, like you normally would at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then after, after three picks or four picks, mm-hmm. then you do another ban. Yeah. So, like, see what your opponent's drafting and a potential to snipe away something you don't want to see after the ban phase has started. That's something that they do in a lot of the other MOBAs. Um, it's formatted different depending on which one it is, but I think that would be fantastic uh, for the game in the competitive scene. I think any, anything that adds more skill expression and depth um, in terms of the picking and team composition side of things, I, I think is uh, always welcome in my mind. Um, yeah. yeah um so okay well that was a pretty quick uh just little wish list from us i really didn't want us to spend too much time on it because we've got some really cool topics coming up uh segueing into this idea right of 
you know, why do we why are we talking about a balance patch that we don't even know exists? It's out of desperation. I think that that should be clear, right? Uh, the meta is a freaking disaster. Um, and the culprit, if you are at all a regular player, Pokemon Unite, you know what we're going to say. Mewtwo Y and, you know, weirdly also Mewtwo X, but mostly Mewtwo Y uh, is completely ruining uh, the ranked experience. Uh, just for people's context, a lot of people, if you're a regular, you know, Twitter person or if you watch a lot of content, but if you're more of a casual listener, you might not know this. Um, last week, the pick rate for Mewtwo Y uh, was 63.13%. Which, I, if, if you don't have a lot of MOBA experience, that's an insane number. Do you want to take that a is, stab at the next highest, Gibby? What do you what the what is the next highest percentage? Do you think just fifty three? Fifty three, too high. Try again. Okay. See that in itself just tells me how skewed that number is. Fifty one percent, too high. Forty. I guess it's not win rate. That's uh, pick rate. Pick so rate. pick rate. It's, it should be a lot. It should be a lot more decreased. Forty four percent, too high. Pick again. Uh. 30 getting a lot closer and so i'm, I'm way off in terms of my pick percent was blissey and i so, want to shout out it's become a and literally chris here has made a video talking about how toxic this is but the duo queue of mewtwo y and blissey is like super uh well known at this point so even that is a little inflated because it drops right. off. Another, is inflated because of the Mewtwo Y. And it drops off another 6% before the next Pokemon, Lapras, at 23%. Um, and yeah. Lapras just is an all around great Pokemon. And then it slowly tapers for the rest of the Pokemon from there. The point is, is it is over twice as much that Mewtwo Y is getting picked over the next highest picked Pokemon. Absolutely insane. It is truly, truly unprecedented in the history of Pokemon Unite. Okay, so, um, and that means that typically when the pick rate is really high in a MOBA game or other video games that have some sort of class-based selection, typically when the pick rate is really, really high, the win rate begins to plummet because you have a lot of people that are picking it without the skill or the knowledge of the character to potentially thrive on it. And so you typically, if you have an artificially high pick rate, you typically have an un, you know, an unaccurately high or an unaccurately low win rate. So even in situations where um, after the initial like ridiculous bug on Zacian was fixed, the one that made it all of his abilities go through all defenses, even after that was fixed and Zacian was still extremely problematic, you still saw a little bit of a lower win rate percentage than you would know Zacian deserves, right? Here with Mewtwo Y, despite being the highest pick rate thing I think we've ever had, maybe there was a week where Zacian was close, the win rate is still number one at a whopping 55%. So here's and here's that, the problem. And 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 that's like with six with the sixty-three percent win rate, and that means a lot of times you're gonna get mirror matches of Mewtwo Y versus Mewtwo Y, which we, you would theoretically offset the win percentage, right? That's why win percentages typically hover around fifty percent. Mm -hmm. 
You're still at 55%, which means in almost every game where there is a Mewtwo Y and isn't a Mewtwo Y, the Mewtwo Y wins. Almost every game. That's how you would get that number. So here's why this is (laughs) such a problem. This is why (laughs) we are complaining about this. There's there's an episode title in here somewhere. I'll leave it to you to find it. It's probably been done too many times. (laughs) Yeah, and and I'm not about, I'm not above doing it again <laughs> to hammer home the issue when we compare because it's worth doing because it's our most recent comparative problem which is zashin the problem between zashin and mewtwo y and mewtwo one of the bigger differences on why i don't think we saw inflated win rates across the board on zashin is it was the newest the new hotness and it was the broken thing that everyone knew about but how many times did you and I play with Zashins on our team, or in, on, against some of them too, that weren't good? Yeah, Zashin and takes it's be- skill. It's a complex character. Z- after they fixed the true damage issue where it was ignoring all defenses, it took some reworking in, in the uh, the people's brains who were playing Zashin who, who weren't above it morally. Yes, I'm <laughs> calling you guys out for that. Um, for not... like like. If you were playing Zashin while it was broken, you still had to rework your brain that, okay, I can't get away with these things anymore. Or if you were learning the character and you weren't good, it's not like Zashin did all the work for you. Right. Mewtwo X and Mewtwo Y are intentionally, the developer said this, they are intentionally designed and kitted to be new player friendly and be easy to pilot. So you combine the absolute broken nature of the amount of damage and healing and health that this character has, both Mewtwo X and Mewtwo Y, and we'll talk about the difference between Mewtwo X and Y in a second, you combine the the broken nature of these characters with an easy-to-pilot skill set and pick rate, and it's it's asking for disaster because you don't have the downside that we saw in Zacian where it was... You could possibly, okay, I'm running into Mewtwo Y, but maybe this is a bad one. Right. Maybe maybe he doesn't pilot it well. Maybe he doesn't understand the building up of Aos energy and the timing of its abilities and utilizing it to force my hand as their opponent. Mewtwo Y just says, press button, become evolved, and just go, go nutty. Like, it's not it's, a hard it's, it's... pattern to, to figure out. It's extremely easy by design, which is fine if it's a Pokemon scaled like a Pikachu. Pikachu is the original, you know, made-for-beginners Pokemon. But there's a reason Pikachu hasn't been ever been S-tier. And it's been a long time since Pikachu's even been, like, A or B-tier. Like, by design, Pokemon or and even just characters that are designed for new players, historically in MOBAs, have also been you know, niche in terms of competitive viability or just typically, you know, only ever fringe viable. Basically, one thing that, like, should be stated is, like, even right now, Zacian is a fantastic Pokemon. If we were to go uh, to the tier list, right, on Unite DB, okay? So let's do that real fast. Uh, I can tell you what the Mewtwo's are. I'm pretty sure Zacian's going to be sitting in A tier. Let's go. Tier list, Pokemon. Uh, we have S we have an S tier. 
which contains the likes of Inteleon, Lapras, Mew, Slowbro, Umbreon, and Zacian. And just to iterate, the, to, to reiterate the point that we're making, uh, Unite DB made an entire new non-S tier tier for both Mewtwo X and Y to sit in because it is just truly that absurd that something like Zacian, which is extremely powerful, we all know it, things like Umbreon and Slowbro, which are meta-defining defenders, can't touch the power of either of these Mewtwo's. And why may have this ridiculous pick rate and win rate? Because why is the better of the two? Why wins the 1v1? Which is why uh, Gibby uh, was telling me about how, despite Mewtwo Y being the number one win rate, Mewtwo X is the uh, bottom win rate Pokemon right now. But obviously it has nothing well, to do with power level. Yeah, and when I say bottom, like I don't want to say, like I don't, I'm not saying that it's the like the worst pick, like the it worst is. pick it is rate. The worst win rate. Win, oh, it's the worst win rate right now. Yes. And so I didn't know that it was the absolute worst, but it that is, yeah. also doesn't surprise me. So the theory behind why that is, huh? The theory behind you see the problem is we can make a ton of these Y puns. But there's no X so, puns you can make unless we start bringing formerly known as Twitter in. Ah, oh, I expect. There yes. you go. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna. Anytime we do it now, I'm just gonna ignore it because it's gonna get. It's I'm gonna, gonna need get you to explain how V2X has a low win rate. I'll ex I'll explain exactly why this is happening. <laughs> so, um, wow, that that sentence was loaded with them. Okay. Anyway, funnies aside, the reason between U2Y and U2X having such a vast difference in win rate is everything to do with you not being able to select both of them on a team and only being able to select one of them. So as DBN mentioned, when Y and X end up playing each other in a match, Y is going to win that battle more often than not. Almost entirely favorite, is it going to yeah, win that, that is going to win that battle. Whether it's just a 1v1 or just the influence that they have globally for their team, Y is so much more influential and is is piloting games, is just carrying games for teams that it is throwing U2X's win rate all the way down into the dumpster because it's just not performing the same as Y. And it's more of a commentary that Y is so much more broken than it is X. Like, it is the second-ranked Pokemon in the game on an expanded roster of however many 40, 50 characters now. And it is the bottom win rate because it cannot be picked at the same time as the number one. Yeah. and the number one is dumpstering number two, that inherently in itself, like we look at data all the time and we hope that the producers and game developers use the same data that we are or are using their game data to drive decisions. And in the past, they've used that as, as excuses for making choices that we didn't necessarily agree with on balancing. How do you ignore this? Yeah. And 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 they did a hot fix of Mewtwo X. Where's the where's the the hot fix of Mewtwo Y? Crickets from the dev team when you have something that is criminally worse than the worst thing we've ever seen. Yeah. And so something comes out, it's bad. They hot fix it. They immediately release something even worse that is the exact same kit, just slightly different in in it being ranged versus combat and like future sight being a push versus a pull like 
you have the almost the exact same kit and effects coming later and you don't do anything to it and you let it how long how how long have we gone now Three, with me too being in the game so we're like essentially a month into something like that the, sure. since since the release i'm gonna guess that's about right all right because this is almost like three at least three weeks into the crystal cave event for for why so it's got to be close to a month if not at a month so yeah you're we're going on a month now where they where x is still a problem and y is making everyone's live hell in the game and we silence yep off of the back and this is probably going to bring us into our next talk dbn taking a look back in our time machine now we did a previous episode about the developer note that we hadn't heard from the developers for a while and then they come out with this note talking about the design philosophy of legendary pokemon mewtwo y mewtwo x mm-hmm. and zashin being in that category the design philosophy of legendary pokemon why zashin was so broken they apologized for zashin being overpowered indirectly for too long and that this is something that they aim to improve and this is something that wouldn't happen again the next week beyond that letter was when mewtwo x was released and we're probably about a month and a half, two months now past that letter where X and X and Y are both in the game and still both relatively unchecked. So what are your thoughts about that producer note and how it has aged? Yeah. Uh, well, criminally bad, uh, <laughs> to be, to be honest, just to cut through the, uh, the BS here, right? Like, I'm going to read a, a, a couple snippets here um, for, for everybody context so that we don't misquote here. Okay. So this is directly from the letter that was published in July, which was July 21st before Mewtwo X uh, came out a couple days before. So um, here's what they said. First, we'd like to acknowledge that Zashin was successfully strong at release and in the following months. Our goal with Zashin was to tune it over time to reach the state it is currently in. Arguably still maybe a little too strong, but it didn't get full 100% pick ban at World, so clearly it's in an okay spot. However, we recognize that our communication on the subject was limited, read non-existent, and that that time it spent overpowered was prolonged. We would like to explain our design philosophy behind legendary Pokemon moving forward and detailed steps we will be taking to improve their arrival, not their final state, to improve their arrival on Aos Island. Basically saying we screwed up the release of Zacian and we are telling you that we are trying to take steps so that a similar release, uh, which obviously was both really bad and also prolonged uh, before any sort of change or communication there. They told us we don't want that to happen again. We want that to change. So um, skimming forward a little bit here, right? Uh, They said, since it's released, Pokemon Unite has placed great importance on expressing the personality of each Pokemon through their gameplay mechanics. As such, we're designing legendary Pokemon to become the leaders of their respective teams, conveying their strength, through their capabilities while giving them weaknesses in exchange for that strength. 
Gibby, real fast, uh, what weakness would you say that Mewtwo Y has? Do you see any specific weakness uh, for Mewtwo Y? I'm curious. No, just I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to overcomplicate the answer and use fancy big words. No, there's no weakness because here's I don't the see thing. one at all. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. The reality is is that their justification would be something along the lines of, well, Mewtwo has to be in his mega form to be good. Except that you could take the mega forms away from both Mewtwo's and they'd still be S tier. Yes. Like the like you move from S tier to absurd runaway, you're never going to win this regardless of how many people you've got on your team, whether it's a three of you one or a four of you one in the mega form, it's just, it is un, it is unplay againstable. I'm going to do that. So I'm making up words now. Unplay againstable in the dictionary. Unplay againstable. <laughs> I, I, I submit my new terminology to the jury. So they then make the commitment, which they followed up with saying that as a result of player feedback, we'll be releasing all Pokemon, including legendaries for public testing in regions that use the public test server so that they can make appropriate adjustments for each Pokemon's release in the global version to ensure all are fairly balanced. Now, they clearly screwed that up with Mewtwo X, right? Mewtwo X came in and immediately started trouncing everything, right? To the point where they went and made a hotfix. Okay? So, I want to just I want to just zoom in one more time just for the sake of drama and remind everyone of exactly what they said. Our goal is to make appropriate adjustments before for each Pokemon's release in the global version to ensure that all are direct quote fairly balanced. Would you say that they are balanced? No, they are not. Would you say they took any measures to make sure that the release was at all appropriate? No, they didn't. So what the hell are we doing here? Why write this if they're going to do literally none of what they said? It is the biggest question that we come away from this episode with, which is I don't understand why you'd write a note to your entire game base explaining your design philosophy and then ignore it and and just do such a bad job introducing balance to and the radio game. silence because, which they said that we want to, we we didn't communicate enough it was a prolonged time without any sort of communication we want to be better radio silence and we've heard literally nothing they they just put out worlds and then said great we got our money we're happy we got great following on the on the the youtube client or uh for for the streams it was a success our game is doing great Here's two broken characters with a pay-to-win event for you to try to obtain them if you want to. And, and you know, I want to real fast uh, go to the formerly known as Twitter, now a single letter, for whatever inexplicable, inexplicable I've heard people reason. calling it Twix. Twix? Oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to call it Twix now. Yeah, oh, Twix, that's Twix really is good. Okay, now. it's Twix. So I went to Twix, and uh, just, just quickly decided to uh, type in uh, the the account, search up the account of our favorite content cowboy, a.k.a., you know, the face of Pokemon Unite, a.k.a. Uh, the probably, probably, like, the, the biggest, like, 
person that is monetarily incentivized to make excuses for the game and in the past has had some questionable takes defending the Unite team and some of the practices in Pokemon Unite that I and uh, this podcast have not always agreed with. Now, we love Spragles. We think he's a charming, wonderful person, our good friend of the show and captain of, of past primates, Curry. Got to meet him. Apparently, he's Unite a great daddy guy. himself. Uh, but here's the thing. When you have every other Twix uh, from Spragles talking about how miserable Unite is right now, how much Mewtwo needs a nerf, quote, I've never enjoyed Pokemon Unite less. Truly can't stand this meta. Quote, Mewtwo is the most balanced Pokemon in the game, having both the highest and lowest win rate. Talking about what we explained earlier. A little bit of sarcasm there. Uh, let's see. Let me find another one here. Quote, I love seeing comments like this under any post from the Unite official account. Mostly everybody else is freaking out about Mewtwo. This dude has a mission. And it's a picture of a guy posting, we want Aggron, which I agree. I, I do want Aggron. Great Pokemon. Mewtwo Y. Me and every game of Unite. This Mewtwo is insane. That's a, a quote from somebody else. The point is, like, this is the guy that's going to be the one making excuses for the game. And even, even Spragles is putting his foot down and nothing's being done. And, you know, frankly... More than nothing being done, we've had broken releases before. This is nothing wholly new, right? The problem is, obviously, this is the biggest and worst case of a broken release. The bigger problem is that it continues to happen. And it continues to happen amidst mountains of examples of how to improve the process. Mountains of examples of balancing that needs to be done. Plenty of examples of good releases. And more importantly, a letter directly contradicting everything that's happened that promised things would be different. And not only was nothing different immediately after, nothing was different immediately after the immediately after. It's embarrassing. And I said this to the team the other day. That the reality is, this cannot keep happening, or this game will die within the year. It can't keep and happening. Our, and our love for the game will die with it, too. I mean, you and I have enough games of interest and and ways to satiate our, our, our gaming ways as nerds mm -hmm. uh, and best friends that we will find, right. another, we'll find another game if and bring you content for that if this game isn't get doesn't get its act together because and it's just, this is not like this is not a death threat to the game right now but this is a look this is bad and inexcusable and i've yet to see any reason to why it's happened and every promise that the developers have made is not great and and they've, 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 they've followed up on none of it they've continually proved that when they do say something it is some amalgamation of uh, excuses, falsehoods, or downright lies. I want to remind everyone that way back when Tyranitar released at 12,000 coins, they said, this is a, an exception to the rule. 
Tyranitar being such a big, popular, powerful, fan favorite, pseudo legendary is why we're pricing it higher. And we will not be having any more uh, higher priced Pokemon. And yet now we have a couple 14Ks in the shop. We got a 15K Mew. I think Zashin's 15K. They lied. Let's be well, very clear. They lied. They not, they, not only, they not only raised the amount of coins that it would cost to get them, they also, worse gem than lock. that, cont continue to gemlock for a brief period of time upon release to try and, and bait people into buying. Um and I'm hoping that most of the community has refused to do so, but they continue to, um, or they release an event where you can get it technically for free. It requires so much hard work and so much time yep. and effort in the game that they're still getting their money worth, their money was worth out of you. And you're most likely having to spend your own in-game currency like coins to re-roll dice where you're not pulling ones and twos and in, in the crystal cave where you're trying yeah, do you to remember do you remember get when, decent decent rolls on it do you remember or what you're just the completing were like for mew and hoopa it was oh log in and bake some donuts and then you easily you should be able to get hoopa yeah there was no chance associated with it there was no you have to you know continually juggle the screens that's the thing i hate the most truly is having to go back and forth yeah. between the screen and it won't do it in between games. And you can't just play nine games with your team and then go and turn it all in like you could with Hoopa and Mew. Point is, man, um, the game is becoming more and more predatory. The communication has never been there. And despite every time they have a letter, they say they're going to do better and they don't. This is like classic gaslighting behavior here, man. And we've seen other games die from this exact, this exact replica of lack of communication, continually screwed up releases, inability to tell the truth about things and admit mistakes. And an inability to learn from it and do things that are going to win trust back. It's, it's, I mean, I way back, like, I don't know, eight months ago, I talked about like the marketing angle and how they're, they're basically taking loyal customers like you and me who would be spending 10 bucks a month for the battle pass out of like, you know, commitment to a game that we love. And they turn us into free to play players by pissing us off. The truth is if we weren't playing competitive Gibby, be honest if we weren't playing competitively we would not be logging into this game at all i would have fully moved on if it wasn't for the fact that i love my past prime apes team and i enjoy playing 5v5 competitive draft that's it and that's it well and that's exactly it is we are blessed enough to be playing competitive and the competitive aspects of this game when you eliminate those outlier uh pokemon and those outlier situations that it's an outlier situation that you're almost destined to run into unless you pick specific avenues within the game yeah and it's it should be noted that majority of the player base for pokemon unite is not a highly competitive like five stack only play through tournament modes and draft mode player base there are there's quite a bit of a free to play so solo queue duo queue trio queue or even just five stacks playing on ladder that aren't pursuing tournaments or or leagues like we're doing. Yeah. 
And that's that's the part of the community that it gets hurt the most by this. Yeah. We we see some we see some effect because it is it is driving down our want to play the game on an everyday basis. Like I've mentioned before, like I'm not in there solo queuing and trying to improve or practice for for my five stacks and, and practice for our practices that we have for past primates or for our league match this week. If I know that there's a Mon that I'm most likely to play and I want to get a, get some extra reps on it, I am less likely to solo queue and use my time in that way and just say, I'm going to take my five stack time that I've got with my guys when we get to, when we all get together and in our draft mode, and I'm going to make the most out of it then and try to hit there, as much of a ceiling as I can on a character then. But I, cause I just, I'm just not going to get any valuable repetitions in the ladder in this current state. I am a support and defender player, right? And both of us I, are now. Well, yeah, I mean, but there were times when I would play solo queue and boot up a zoom roll for the love of the game and the love of the character. Right? There's no way in hell I'm gonna do that now. I don't. E- I. 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 I don't even. I, I would just rather spend my time doing so many other things because of, and, and it's and it's not and and I'm unwilling also. I, I find to have any sort of trust or faith or hope that things are gonna get better. That's where I'm at. I don't believe that that will get better. And that's maybe where we differ. So in. Part of why, as we as we put a put a cap on our our rant session about why Mewtwo is so bad, I want to transition into one more thing before we kind of go through our fun closing segment, which is why do I think that the developers have been silent? We've mentioned that we haven't had any communication with it from them since Mewtwo X and Mewtwo Y have come out, and that that was the promise that they made. And I'm not saying that we will see follow up on that because there's clearly some uh, lack of follow-up and, and some dishonesty on some of the statements they've made in previous notes and letters. But we have seen rumblings, pretty substantial ones, of a what they're going to call a worldwide release that involves the game being available in China, which hasn't previously been the case, that the, the access to the Chinese market, which is going to be big for the game, will open up a whole bunch of avenues some people are calling it Pokemon Unite 2. Some people, the, the developers seem to just be, I think, still calling it Pokemon Unite where it's going to be like a world release. And they're revamping. We've seen snippets where they're revamping a bunch of things in the game where there is supposedly going to be options for you to modify moves. Or there's going to be draft in ranked. And now none of this is confirmed. But what this gives me is hope and a an avenue of, and maybe it's just over-optimism, but an avenue of denial for why <laughs> they have I think that's not communicated in the, cur- in the current game, why we haven't heard from the developers is because they, and I don't like it. I don't like this answer. This is not a good answer. But why we haven't heard from them is because they've made progress, maybe more progress than they anticipated on this worldwide release. And that has dragged most of their attention over to where they said we are gonna let the game sit for a month and we know it's a problem but not do anything about it because it'll be all fixed or it it will be significantly better when 
we release this new worldwide version. I hear you, it. man. And that's that's the only that's the only outcome I can come up. I with I hear you. You know, we will talk about some of the things we've seen in this like Chinese beta a little bit more in depth. You know, frankly, the thing that to me signals that they don't know what the heck they're doing is this idea of wanting a overworld to for you to walk around in. Like that's not what this game is. I could just go play Pokemon Scarlet, right? But anyways, um, I hear you. I think that there's definitely some potential that that is like why there's been radio silence. But, you know, forget not. This is the most popular and profitable intellectual property in the world. It's Pokemon. That is what it that like it is. Like, that's not exaggeration. And if they've got Pokemon bankrolling them, they should be able to hire a single person to communicate on a weekly basis. Much less more than that. And much less, you know, around an issue. And if they can't even address an issue uh, openly and with humility then I don't understand how this game will ever succeed because it, they're doing a live service game. It's not like they're making, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a $60 game that they put out in the wild and then say, have fun or don't. We sold it. This is a live service game. And part of the commitment you make as a developer, when you do a live service game is open communication. Like otherwise it can't, it can't survive. And there's so many examples of that in the wild. And I just, we'll see. But I, I mean, I'm so, I'm so far, I'm so far out on this developer. And the only thing keeping me in is playing five stacks. And I, I'm, I'm almost like, it's like, it's uh what do you call it? Like in beauty and the beast, the Stockholm syndrome. That's what this game is right now for me. Right. Yep. Uh, it's like the only thing is this, this like clinging, clinging desperately to enjoying five stack. And as soon as that becomes no more fun. I won't be playing it anymore uh, because I'm just so I feel so taken advantage of as a, as a player, as a content creator, like we've made enough excuses for them and I'm not making any more. So we're going to segue this into a much more lighthearted segment, which is addressing the angle of this legendary Pokemon debacle that they themselves expressed as the design space. So as a reminder, uh, they said in this post in July that with the implementation of Bozash and Mewtwo, they want to keep in, uh, they want to continue gradually increasing the number of legendary Pokemon available in Pokemon Unite. They believe that legendary Pokemon are an integral part of any game that contains Pokemon battles, which are indeed central to Pokemon Unite's unique format. All right. What does that mean? They want, they're looking for an excuse to play, uh, to put legendaries in the game, which by the way, might I remind you, that in the VGC, legendaries are banned. So, you know, uh, it's not like you see a bunch of, um, you know, Mewtwo's and stuff or Zashin's on stage at uh, Worlds for VGC. For some reason, Urshifu is allowed. I don't know where the the delineation is in 
between those. And maybe there's an entire category that they just ban a bunch of things like I know Zosh and Intrepid Sword and things like that were problems in VGC. But anyways, point is uh, just a little bit of irony that I'm just pointing out there. Um, what I do want to mention here, though, right, is that you have this situation uh, where they're saying we're not going to stop releasing legendaries. Uh, we view this as the direction that this game should take. I don't know what changed where for the first year they didn't have any legendaries, right? But, you know, uh, Gibby's making the money sign at me and you he's right. Um, but I don't know who got fired and got hired and said, it's legendary time, boys. Um, but all right, I'll play ball. If what you think uh, legendary should be is, quote, expressing the personality of each Pokemon through their gameplay me mechanics and quote, designing legendary Pokemon to become the leaders of their respective teams, conveying their strength through their capabilities while giving them weaknesses in exchange for that strength. All right, I'm on board. Now they haven't done it yet, but you know what? They're idiots. So Gibby and I are going to do it for them. So Gibby and I have drawn up some ideas for some legendary Pokemon that should be a unique doing something that cannot currently be done. That makes them stand out. Now that is something that, that Pokemon did well. Like that's something unite does did well. Mew is super unique. Mewtwo even has some unique things like a global damaging ultimate. I think it's ridiculous, but it is unique, right? So we're going to do something that is unique. Something that can be balanced by a weakness something that they're not good at right so let's talk about that gibby uh gibby you designed one i designed two should i should i go first and then you and then me we'll go back and forth so you go ahead and you pick whichever one of the two that you want to talk about first you can throw it over to me and i'll go through mine and then we'll go uh, head on back to you all right well i'm gonna start off with the one that i'm like really amped about because i think it may be like Long-time diehard Pokemon fans would say, what the heck, DBN, that makes no sense. Why is that Pokemon a support? And I'm going to tell you why it's a support. It's a support because this is a MOBA, and cool and unique trumps what people do in a different version of this video game. Okay? Because here's the truth. Dialga, okay, the Pokemon basically demigod of time why is it that everybody just loads it up with dragon attacks and then just smashes the x button on dragon attacks that's lame and boring vgc has done dialga dirty i don't know like if, if i look at it and go okay let's let's treat these moves or let's treat their kits or like their special abilities whatever they are and their themes as like superheroes and like super abilities I'm sorry, since when would controlling time be an attacker ability? Right. Or an attacker superhero yep. power? That is a lot more utility-based and support-based. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but Doctor Strange would not be an attacker. Yeah, Doctor Strange Unite. wouldn't just be spamming Flamethrower and Dragon Rush, right? He's not like, Hulk, <laughs> he's not Iron Man. Right, exactly. That's. I mean, so 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 that's where this is spawning from. Now, there is some truths, which is that legendary Pokemon have fantastic stats. That is the clearly what they've designed into Unite. I'm not saying it should be that way, but I am saying it is that way. So, 
how do we make Dialga play as a support when he's a big, you know, quadrupedal dragony thing, right? He's part dragon, part steel. How do we make him fit as a support? Well, we do it by statting him like our Mr. Mimes and Wigglytuffs. Making this guy statted kind of like a defender, but with a support utility kit. Okay? Now, I have designed him with a uh, his basic attacks being a, an extremely short range, like Lapras. Okay? So, basically melee, but not quite. He's a special attacker. His boost charges over time like Mime or Blissey, and that attack will apply a basic slow effect. Nothing super special because it's not about his basic attacks, okay? He's a support. Now, what's cool here is his ability. Now, thinking about time shenanigans and trying to, like, relate them to, um, you know, a MOBA, it, there's some interesting things that can be done. Uh, something that is an unexplored space within Unite, but that has been explored within other games that I wanted to bring in Dialga's ability in the video games is pressure, which means whenever an opponent uses a move, it takes uh, twice the amount of power points away. So they can't use that move as many times uh, in a battle that grinds out, right? Um, so I thought this would be a perfect way to incorporate the time component where pressure in this design would mean that when Dialga uses a move, a burst of temporal energy emanates in a small area around him. Nearby allied cooldowns would be reduced by a quarter of a second, and nearby enemy cooldowns would be increased by a quarter of a second. Again, this subtle shift of time, increasing the time that somebody on the enemy side uh, would take to get their cooldown back, not by a huge margin, but a quarter of a second is that nice little middle ground. Now, obviously, it wouldn't have to be a quarter of a second. You can make it a tenth of a second or a half of a second. I don't care. Okay, none of these numbers really make that much of a difference. But the point being is that if you hang out next to your support Dialga, he's going to uh, bring your cooldowns down. But again, as we know from our practices, clumping on one Pokemon is hella dangerous. <laughs> so, you know, uh, there's that give and take where you kind of got to be close to get the benefit, but at the same time, it can make you vulnerable to things. Now, for moves, Dialga is a single stager, so he doesn't have to do any evolution. That's a strength, right? Um, simple things I'm figuring like metal claw, allowing him to dash forward and deal damage to start scary face at the beginning of the game, you know, an auto lock move. Maybe it fears someone. I was thinking like, you know, scary face, maybe it does a Sableye style fear effect, makes him run the other way. Could be cool in lane, but when you get to level five, you would get to upgrade to one of these two moves, ancient power where Dialga could summon four fossils, just like in the game when you click Ancient Power, the little fossils pop up. Uh, he summons four fossils, which would hover around him, and for each fossil hovering around him, he'd get plus 10% defense and special defense, and maybe a little bit of move speed too. I could be persuaded to cut that. But you can then fire the fossils, uh, thus removing that defensive buff, but pushing enemies back, maybe doing a little bit of damage. So you'd have this nice little give and take ability where because you're a big legendary, like you don't want to be dying super fast, right? You can summon these, you know, fossils and tank a little bit as like a pseudo tank, just like Mime or Wiggly. Um, or you can fire them and push people around like a support like Hoopa or something, right? Um, the other move, which I think is the coolest one, this is his signature move in the games, Roar of Time. 
I mean, it's pretty cool. But in the game, why does it just do damage? Lame, right? So here's my idea. Dialga does a short dash forward. Just a little bit of a dash just to get him in position. I'm thinking not as long as like Tyranitar's Sandstorm ability or Sand Tomb where he dashes really far. Just a short dash forward. And then he lets loose a roar of temporal energy in a cone. Kind of like... um kind of like Sylveon's, maybe just a little bit wider, right? Um, And then while he's roaring, he stands still, but you can aim it like Decidueye, okay? And enemies in the area are damaged slightly and slowed, and because of time, allies are healed and get increased move speed. I just have time. Wi- I just have time. Time wizard. Time wizard. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the idea. So you know, you can basically be a Pokemon that's going to have this cool, like, powerful roar that is going to change, like, speed up and slow down enemies and allies in the area. Do a little bit of healing. Do a little bit of damaging. Nothing crazy. It's not designed to be a DPS character. Right, but create a zone in which your allies can do more and your enemies can do less. Somebody jumps on top of one of your uh, attackers, you leap and roar at them, allowing your attacker to potentially escape. Right? It's almost like you're designing a support to be a support and not be a damage dealer disguised as a support. I mean, yeah, right? Like, you know, supports can do damage. I'm not against that, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like, you should be supporting, right? Um, and this guy's gonna again sort of living in that like pseudo support, pseudo defender world, like role, right? Um, and then at level seven, he would get the other two moves, uh, which would be either heal block, which apparently isn't a move anymore, but it was in Gen Four, and it's a move that you would apply to an enemy that stops them from being able to receive any healing. Now, obviously, that's pretty OP, right? So what I did here is I took inspiration from one of my favorite Dota support characters, which is Winter Wyvern. And the heal block, again, playing with the time magic idea, is a short-range lock-on ability, kind of like a mean look, that would place the target, both either ally or enemy, in a stasis for like two seconds. And while it's in stasis, it is immune to damage. So if you have an ally, you can basically give them a Shedinja doll for all intents and purposes, right? Putting them in stasis. Or you can force an enemy to sit out for two seconds of a fight, but they just can't be hurt, right? And then, but the the bonus would be when you stasis an ally, they take addition, they get additional healing, almost like a rescue hood effect. And if you target an a- a enemy, they take reduced healing, almost like a Delphox ult. Now they would still get to heal; they wouldn't take any damage. You couldn't like slow or stun them, obviously, because they're in stasis. But it would synergize really interestingly with the Roar of Time, where you could throw somebody into a block and then roar on top of them and then heal them up to full, potentially. But of course, that's your entire moveset, right? Um, and then, of course, if you wanted, I th- imagine people would, the initial reaction would be like, oh, what if you get a Dialga that just wants to troll everyone and constantly throw their allies in stasis blocks? I figured you could maybe make it so that allies can press R3 to exit it early or something like that. I don't know, whatever. I'd imagine that would be a pretty high cooldown, maybe like 10 seconds. Uh, yeah, somewhere in there. It would need to be pretty high. Uh, and then the other move, very simple, but calls back to another one of my favorite Dota supports, which is Disruptor, where you have a medium-range lock-on instant cast that rewinds an enemy 
to where they were two seconds earlier. That's it. Interesting. Right. So if you're chasing someone, you can rewind them and zip them back (laughs) into your team. If you're getting chased, you can rewind them backwards so they, they don't chase you. The ultimate peel effect, but it does zero damage. Pretty cool. I mean, we've seen other like non-damage moves and how like effective they can be, like a teleport yeah. when you add a bunch of other stuff to it. So that that seems viable to me. Like that seems fine. Like some people may look at it and go, it doesn't deal any damage, but the, oh, it doesn't the have utility to. that something like this provides, crazy. You know, also imagine if a Hoopa portals someone in and they come back from being in base, you could slap them with this and send them back to base. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. So I have that one as I have that one listed as named as reversal, but in the video games, reversal is like a fighting move, which allows you to do bonus damage if you took damage. But I couldn't find another name that made sense. But that is totally something that like the demigod Pokemon of time should be able to do is rewind someone a couple seconds. So anyways, and then finally, the unite move. Uh, I thought this, again, is really unique and something that would be a big draw to the Pokemon, right? Uh, that would make it feel freaking legendary, but without, you know, being just absurdly damage focused. And I'm calling it origin form rebirth. The idea is you can't trigger the unite move manually, but when Dialga would be KO'd with his unite gauge full, a portal in time will open and the origin form past version of Dialga steps out with increased defenses and enhanced moves. And over the next 15 seconds, his health will steadily diminish until he's KO'd. And so you'd basically have a a temporary resurrection where you'd get like your, your origin past form that we saw in the, um, you know, in the Arceus legends game steps out, does some extra cool stuff before dying. And then, yeah, you get your death timer as normal, but like imagine a Ray fight where the Dialga, as a supporter defender, gets picked off early, but you don't want to do that because that means that the next 15 seconds, he's going to come back and all his moves are going to be upgraded. He's going to have increased defenses and you're going to have to either kite out that alt move or burn him down because he's going to be pretty darn cool. Well, and it has to, it should be said that like, maybe he has an altered move set or he's got like with that is very narrow or he's got like depending on how I figured quickly it would just the... like kind of like be where you'd almost like Zacian where they upgrade the moves that exist. You know, like where Zacian's intrepid sword upgrades them. That's kind of what I thought. But again, you know, you could tinker with it. You could make it so he doesn't live quite as long. But I thought that like his health diminishing over time makes sense here so that he doesn't just live forever, right? Yeah. That's cool. But well, I mean like yeah, just a like a like just a shedding its molten skin and just but time, time literally style, gets KO'd, gets KO'd, and you know, past version steps through a portal and says, "You did what to me? <laughs> <laughs> what now?" So, anyways, that's my idea for Dialga as a melee support character. That's great. Uh, I love that. I, I, there's a lot of flavor to that. That I could immediately seeing that be like they're talking about like we need these legendaries to be like leaders of their squads. Mm-hmm. That's a leader ability. Yeah, man. Like it's super unique, but it's not something that I imagine has to be broken. 
right? And it clearly yeah. is something where, like, as I designed in the in the kit, like, you're incentivized for everybody to clump together so you get his passive. But obviously that has mm -hmm. weaknesses. A guardiol is going to wreck you. Coincidentally, you might have noticed he doesn't have a lot of mobility. There's, in fact, there's very little of it. It's short little dash for the roar of time, and that's only for positioning on the move because once you dash there, you're locked in position. So, like, natural weaknesses baked into a powerful kit is something that will allow you to have that really powerful, unique experience without it completely ruining and breaking a game because there's no counterplay. Right. Anyways, tell me All what right. you got. So... So I designed a legendary of my own. I designed the big old whale Kyogre. Oh. And Kyogre I, is when you, a... Okay, when you told me you were doing Kyogre, I got so freaking amped. Sapphire was like, is my favorite game. Well, I'm hoping that you like the kit that I designed for these, this special attack defender. Very so good. So in like actually appropriately within the stats of the game, mm -hmm. uh, Kyogre's special attack and special defense is much higher than its attack and, and defense. It is a special attacker. So we will keep it on brand as such. It is also, I think we have less special attack based defenders in the game. I think it's um, half and half at this point, but... Pretty, probably pretty close, yeah. but I think it's a little on the lower side. So my goal for Kyogre was to we have quite a few high damage tanks right and defenders that can hold their own we think about the the defender or tank roles we call it as as a character that is starting a fight incentivizing a fight is out in front mm -hmm. is protecting its allies and what if you transitioned the thought process of the defender role to be and you created an option where it wasn't about creating space as a frontliner for your team but could be um but more or less fighting with your team and protecting defending your own goal zones and defending like what it's supposed to be in the first place what it's supposed to be in the first place so that's what i designed Helga in mind with so let's go over its passive first its passive is first called drizzle uh drizzle Anytime Kyogre is in water created from one of its own moves, it gains bonus speed. Oh. And all of it, a lot of its moves have the ability to create splashes or create pools of water. I love where it almost that. Isn't, almost as in like rough terrain for like in D&D, &D, yeah. Kyogre navigates it effectively because it's a giant literally whale. The, the Pokemon is designed about like flooding the earth and you're literally flooding the battlefield and then swimming in it. That's so, that's a... Just you so wait. amped. Keep going. So the drawback for Kyogre, because that's the whole point, right? I'm saying true on brand to the producers' uh, desires for the legendaries to have drawbacks. What is Kyogre? A giant whale. Yep. What would a giant whale not be able to do very well? Hide. Right. Kyogre cannot use bushes for cover. Oh, he's too big. He's too big. <laughs> Kyogre can, you know, and, and that's not to say that you have field of vision on Kyogre all the time, because if he's farming something on his half of the map right, right. and there's fog of war, like you don't, you don't have anybody on the opposing team in, in range with him. You don't know where he is there, but as long as there, but if there is anywhere, if he's anywhere to fight or anywhere on like the opposing side of the map where he shouldn't be or something like that, like you can see him. So he just doesn't have the ability to you could make his drop surprise attacks. I imagine you could make his model a little bit bigger than a lot of the other models so that That's he literally physically won't fit. 
Like, right. so there'd so, like, be always a piece sticking out of the bush. <laughs> right. So, like, he can walk through a bush and it would yeah. maybe be covered by grass with the tail yeah, and, like, yeah, the yeah. front, you know which would he's be there. so you're funny like, and you, dumb. You dumb Kyogre. You're not hot. You're not Get out of here. Get out of that bush. Get out of that so, bush, you whale. Because he, he doesn't evolve. So, he is Kyogre out the gate. So, um, so that would always be in play. Right. Now, let's go to the base moves. The base moves don't have to be anything special here. I don't exactly imagine Kyogre to be something that is stupid impactful early. Um, moving into the late game, I structured this character to be kind of the level set, level five, level seven, level nine uh, movement progression, and then getting its ult at level nine. Um, so the base move is going to be Body Slam. So it'll be similar in a way to Snorlax's Body Slam, which I do think is one of the better parts of its kit, especially early game. Um, I think Body Slam would be good. Well, so it'd be similar to Heavy Slam for. Um, for Snorlax, but it would be Body Slam. So he um, gets almost a dash ability where he kind of goes up in the air and comes down on a point, dealing partial damage and making a little bit of splash of water. It won't leave any water behind, but it will create like a, an extra splash. So the damage is broken up into two parts. Gotcha. Creates a little bit of a, a, a bigger uh, area of, I don't know, it, it gives it a buff to being able to secure farm because it basically gets two, two shots at, at being the last hit. Sure. Um, but the, both of the damages aren't going to be super impressive because you don't want it to be an oppressive move that you're trying to pressure a goals on with. That's not the point of Kyogre. Mm -hmm. It'll be able to contest and then be able to kind of hold its side of the farm. I also love the idea of a defender being able to actually stop dunking yeah, early on. Seriously. So that's part of the other the other thought in mind here for the for for that. So body slam levels up at level five and it's one of two moves. But first uh, move is Hydro Pump, which we already have a version of Hydro Pump in the game. Plenty. And it's a short yeah. range, deals some decent damage. But what this is going to be is Kyogre, I want to move similar because it is a very fluid, it's a whale. And it's kind of moving through water. I want its movement to be very fluid mm -hmm. and similar to the way they redesigned Charizard's movement to be. Where he can move as he's casting, he's a little bit of evasive because Ooh, of the natural movement. And as it's moving through water, that also makes sense that it would be able to do that. So, so Hydro Pump, Kyogre rears back before releasing a long, concentrated line. So it's got a little bit of a bigger uh, line blast of the water. Concentrated line of water sh shot with a pushback effect, leaving a trail of water for behind. So if the if the if the water hits yeah. and pushes back, it's leaving that trail of water giving Kyogre the ability to then pursue if it needs to through that line of water for a little bit of a speed boost. But if, if so the situation like, is bad, like most Lapras's likely will ice beam fused with Blastoise's hydro pump in a way, very much like that. That's cool. Um, and a part of it is in a small, you know, so I have that part and then Kyogre can still move while rearing back. But once the windup, cause there's going to be about a second windup. Mm -hmm. Once the windup is done and he fires, he's now stationary during the fire. Right. So it's it would because that would be kind of hard in order to imagine where the line blast would be sure. as it's continuing to move. So it's continuing to move and being able to realign the shot as it's moving, and that it's and then it's stationary when it fires. Got it. That makes sense. Or the other move, Aqua Ring. Aqua Ring. Kyogre gains a floating ring of water around its body for five seconds. The ring heals in one second increments and creates a puddle of moving water as Kyogre moves as upon every pulse well, of like the heel, pretty much on. leaving centered on him, pretty much leaving a circular like circle of water as he continues to move. The ring gains increased healing if Kyogre is on one of its own goal zones. 
So for each oh, pulse of healing, it does more healing if you are in a defensive position, incentivizing you to take this if you plan on being in a defensive position. Right. The ring can be popped if dealt enough damage, stunning Kyogre and anybody else in range of the ring. Any other opposing oh, Pokemon in the range of the ring. So it's really so, like an external shield. It's an external shield that is healing Kyogre, and you have the ability for counterplay, which I think is important when we talk about these Pokemon as well. They need to have mm -hmm. some ability of counterplay. Mm -hmm. You can pop the shield. It makes it makes special attackers a little bit better against Kyogre if they're running Aqua Ring. Right. And it also gives you some ability saying, okay, they've got a lot of melee attackers that are going to try to close a distance on me. Aqua Ring would be really good in this in this scenario. Because obviously in this game, targeting is a little tough, right? Which is why we don't have things like summons in this game right now is do, do enemies target the aqua ring first always like if they're so basic they would, attacking like does it have priority like taunting almost yes so like so aqua ring aqua ring is up and it's healing kyogre and if they're targeting kyogre with a move it's going to deal the damage to the aqua ring first okay gotcha that's pretty cool because then you can like safely heal yourself up when you're not in a fight but if they don't want you to heal up, they got to keep hitting you. That's cool. right. Or or if a melee attacker is trying to push your goal zone or is trying to push you and they hit you, they're going to get stunned by hitting you. They yeah. have to make the decision, do I eat the stun from being in melee with the Ocarina when it pops and trying to shorten the amount of healing that right. Kyogre is going to get in this scenario, but I'm also going to get stunned That's in cool. the aspect That's a really well. neat design, yeah. And I don't think overpowered. Like healing can be something that sustains for way too long, which is why it's got the additional healing on its own goal zone. I also designed the level five moves to not be the in super impactful part of its kit. Right. Because I really don't want it to be, it hits level five, it's broken better than everything else. That which we've which seen is from a lot of the other legendary legendaries. Pokemon right now. Urshifu, right. Mewtwo, so, Zacian, they all become, they're usually well, not Urshifu, but they, they become broken at level five. Yeah, totally. So let's reestablish that level that your higher level moves that you get should be the more impactful move. Yeah. Base move on the other move, which is ironic that you chose it, is Scary Face. Ah. Scary Face. Kyogre gives a mean glare to an opponent, sharply decreasing their speed for a short time. It's just a speed, a speed just movement a speed decrease. Yeah. Yep. It, it incentivizes someone not being able to get out if they know that they're going to have to attack Kyogre, mm -hmm. if they're um, if they're trying to get dunks off of in the early game, because this will be an early game move that you have. It allows counterplay for your jungler to be able to come in and be able to track somebody down or your lane partner. So a movement speed decrease is a defensive move that would for your opponent that would be a really good single target to have. That turns in at level 7 to one of two moves. Sheer Cold... Kyogre turns a tail, turns to ice as it spins around, dealing sweeping blows of cold in an, in an area of effect. Targets hit are frozen for a brief moment. If any opposing Pokemon hit would be reduced below 10% of health, the remaining target is automatically not. Nice. Down. That's a good call sheer, out to the execute effect. Yeah. Sheer cold has an execute effect in the, in the main the game. KO, so yeah. sheer cold should have an execute effect here. And I, I was trying to think about the level of it. 10% health is the same as Lapras's Parish Song, which you don't notice the execute as much as you do the more, the multi-pulse and the area of effect of, of Parish Song as much. It is still present and can be, and you can still get it off, but it's not as impactful. Now, I'm picturing this going off as like multiple swings of the tail in a line that are queued up, one, like almost like triple axle or something. Is that what you're... 
so what, what I had envisioned, so what I had envisioned is imagine um, Kyogre is facing to the right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it starts doing like, it starts uh, rearing and doing a, like it, it's, it's tail turns to ice and it basically does like a, like a 360 spin, but upon the 180, it's tail now being forward. It does a big slap oh, with so its just tail like a one, being ice, one just strike. a one slap, okay just a one slap. So that way you don't have multiple chances to be able to get to that execute level. Right. It's a one slap. And I imagine you could probably have a, and okay, still, cool. And it's still, that. yeah, because you know, you wouldn't want the cooldown to be super long. But you still get the freeze effect, which is still like a great stun, and it sounds like the area would be pretty big, so that's pretty cool. Right, it's I like it, that. it's an AOE. If you got a bunch of things low, you can end up knocking out a bunch of things. In the next yeah, imagine this how you sheer can... cold, just like everyone's low, and you just come through, boom, quad Yeah, <laughs> make some some cool some cool moments. Big it's a little bit of like a follow up. It is that is a not an initiate move. Right, that is a follow up. Yeah, move. I think that's cool. And then the other one is Origin Pulse, which is one of Kyogre's kind of main main uh, abilities. Moves, yeah, yeah, signature moves. Kyogre's deep blue. Kyogre uh, gains a deep blue glow to it, and uh, brilliant blue beams of light shoot out from its body, doing damage on contact for three seconds. So it essentially in its area, it just starts glowing blue and laser lights, almost like a Pink Floyd laser show, starts <laughs> coming out from all over its body. The light beams have a farther range if Kyogre is in water. Oh, okay. So your so other you can pair that. that is the one that spawns the water, and then you're capitalizing off the water with this pulse. Right. So, so Hydro Pump creates water. Aqua Ring creates water mm-hmm. as your other move set, giving you some ability for uh, Origin Pulse to be paired with either of the other moves and still makes sense for having the longer beams of light right. that come off of it to try to get more range out of it and still gaining the kind of the in the, the movement speed to it. And then the level nine ultimate torrential downpour. Now hear me out on this. Right. I think this would be really cool. It might be some play testing that would need, need be needed to it, but I well, think hey, this would be, they committed, fantastic. they committed it to putting everything on the test server for balancing before release. So if they do what they say for once, what do we got? Imagine this. Imagine this move. Okay. The you you pot you hit the unite move and the user camera zooms out and gains the ability for you to highlight one of three sections: the top lane, which includes the Re- Re- Regieleki pit. Okay. The mid lane, which is the jungles oh, the jungle. and the Ray pit, or the bottom lane, which includes the bottom Regie pits. Um, and dark clouds form over the chosen lane, creating a flood slowing all pokemon oh, in that shit. area slowing all pokemon in that in that lane friendly or foe interesting so you can position your team to not be in that lane uh-huh. if you need to or have them skirt a lane and they get hit because i feel like if your entire team what if your whole mm-hmm. team wasn't slowed and the whole other team was slow that's a bit too powerful sure, sure, sure. so but you can coordinate and there's a high level of skill of play for that Creating a dark flood, slowing all Pokemon in that lane, friendly or foe, except for Kyogre, right, who, who gets thrives more, in that water yeah, more moves and gets movement speed. He's flying. The user gains a brief period to choose to send. Basically, the after you pop that and you choose your lane, two buttons pop up above your unite move that gives you the ability to select either your le- either your goal zone, your home base goal zone, or the opponent's home base goal zone, and it sends a tidal wave through that chosen lane uh, 
through just one big tidal yeah. wave through that chosen lane from your opponent's goal zone to yours or your goal zone to your opponent's and any opponents only hit in that wave are knocked up. Dude, I love this. I do think so, okay, I do think here's I have a pitch. I have a pitch. Can I pitch modify something? It. Modify it. All right. I think the slow is just a little crazy. Like I think slowing allies and enemies is like nuts good. Because uh, you're right, you could definitely play around it with a good coordinated team. But like, what about what if the flooded area, um, goal scoring is slowed across the board? I thought about I thought about that because as then well. It's like still going with that whole goal focused theme of Kyogre. Yeah, and and maybe that's it. Maybe it's just not a it's not a slow, but it's a goal scoring time is doubled for your opponents in that water in the lane flood. in that lane. Yeah. That could be really, really impactful at the end of the game. It would give you an incentive to like not necessarily throw your ult right away at Ray. Like you might mm. be able to like, or you know, or or like even from, and it would give you a little or bit like of a cool slight damage pressure. debuff. Because like if you if you want to, you can do like a slight damage debuff to your opponents or something mm-hmm. like a slight one. Because mm-hmm. if you, it would give you a reason to throw it in the mid game. Like if you're trying to contest a specific right. Uh, like objective you're like okay they're not pressuring the goals on why would i throw my alt here but it does give you the ability to hope turn the tide pun intended on your opponents yeah. during a or maybe the, maybe fight. the tidal waves have some sort of effect on the enemy goal zones and then it leaves the flood for you to move through maybe it starts with the tidal wave and then when they wash over the enemy goal zone, like they're damaged and you get faster goal scoring or maybe wash over yours. And, well, for Kyogre, know, there's a lot am, of ways you could do it, but like for Kyogre, I imagine um, it negates the speed zone. That'd be cool too. That'd be cool too. Because it's not a, because it's not a high just, damage I, character, oh, man. I love, I love how you've paid tribute to the fact that like literally Kyogre, it wants to terraform the world to be underwater like it's it's supposed to like negate like dying communities that are dying from droughts yeah so cool man so that's my idea for kyogre a defensive based defender Uh that wants to play a little play with the play team a little farther back but just can't just can't hide how big it is it's i love that dude i'm amped about kyogre I want that in the game right now, but only if you. It would be only if you. It would be wonderful. It. <laughs> it would be wonderful. I could oh, pitch my idea, and they would never. They would, they would fall on deaf ears. I know. They really but, should listen so, to us. We, we hey hey, uh, Teamy and Pokemon uh, Company. We will fix Pokemon Unite. Hire us today. We'll do it. Our DMs are open on Twix. Um, on Twix. <laughs> I have All one. right, run us through your run us through your last uh, creation here. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go faster on this one. Um, Gibby, I don't know if you're familiar with this one. I, uh, Lunala, are you familiar with Lunala? If not, look no, it up. It's a really cool Pokemon. Um, this is actually one of the generations that I didn't play as a kid, but I've watched the. Is game it really, plays. really, really good looking? It's really, really good looking. Yes. Um, Actually, it's really cool looking, and it's a it's the Pokemon that is supposed to represent the moon, um, and it is a kind of bat like looking legendary. Um, that there is this sort of cosmic uh, baby Pokemon called Cosmog um, that can, at the end of the game, either evolve into Solgaleo, which is a big Pokemon of the sun, 
or Lunala, which is a big Pokemon of the moon, right? And Solgaleo is cool, you know, kind of cool. But Lunala is sick, dude. And the Lunala is this cool looking bat Pokemon. Um, but if you look at some of the artwork and stuff, there's a way for it to have this sort of alternate form where it goes like full, it's called like full moon phase or something like that. And so thinking about, you know, the moon and other, you know, MOBAs where there have been moon themed characters and whatnot, I said, you know what, this is a really cool one to sort of make some really unique mechanics around. And so I decided to make Lunala into a, a speedster on paper, but a hybrid speedster attacker in the game. And so the basic idea is we you start off and the weakness, the weakness truly, this is a high skill cap character. If you're good at the game, if you could do the inputs, this is like Zorark level, you know, impressive. And maybe a little bit more like a blend of Zorark and Mew, okay? So the idea here is that you've got Cosmog and Cosmoem, which are the uh, two pre-evolutions for Lunala. And that's important because in my mind, unlike a lot of these other legendaries, although Urshifu is similar... Um, this would be one of the only legendaries that would not have a powerful level five gank. You would want to put it in the jungle because it's baby versions suck, right? Cosmog and Cosmo in the games, they don't get any cool moves. They literally get cosmic power and teleport and that's it. Right? So the idea being is you'd have these little babies that would need to be protected and, and brought up and it's going to level scale like Delphox. So it's going to evolve at level four and then again at level six into Lunala, but you don't get the upgraded moves until six and seven and then nine for the unite move, right? So even if you come out of the jungle, you'll come out of the jungle kind of like a, a larvitar, like not very useful. So that's the idea. Now, once you become Lunala, this is where it gets fun. My idea is the entire passive is called Lunar Cycle, where every 30 seconds, similar to Mew's uh, move swapping, you can switch between a new moon right so where you're cloaked in shadow because there's no moon or the full moon phase where you're radiant and and casting off moonlight and each would have a different passive effect so while you're in your new moon phase uh you are cloaked in the shadowy aura that makes her health bar and AO synergy invisible to enemies outside of combat so she could, and, and she'll never appear on mini maps unless she's actively scoring. So the idea being you can become a more, you know, um, dunking focused speedster player if you want, utilizing this shadowed lunar form so that you could walk up to a goal and you might have two points and be looking to stack, but your opponent doesn't know if you have 40 until they start fighting you and then it becomes revealed, right? They also won't know mm -hmm. if you're running away with full health or quarter health because your health bar will be concealed, right? Um, then in full moon phase, you're bathed in moonlight. So what does that do? That gives you an increased passive health regeneration outside of combat, similar to leftovers, and the ability to always be able to directly traverse over walls and barriers. You are flying. Now you're totally targetable, right? It's not like Charizard who can do this, but you know, is unstoppable. You're fully targetable. And if you get stunned over barrier, you hang out over the barrier, 
<laughs> okay? But wow. you can fully traverse directly over everything because you're like hovering in the air. And then the idea being is it's a 30-second cooldown to swap, but if you get a KO, it resets. So where does this so, go ahead? So here's so here's so both of those abilities, and I'm sure you're aware oh, yeah. are powerful. Oh yeah. Like pretty damn powerful. Oh yeah. Would here's a modification to that. Okay. What if you had to choose a form and commit to a form until you died the next time? Or like you said, if you got like a kill, you could like reset it and choose another. I mean, I think that perhaps you could remove the cooldown and instead make it but the idea being is that it would in the skill expression I've sort of designed in here is that swapping between the forms is something that should be dynamic and that like crap i i want to be in shadow form right now but i'm in, currently in full moon form you mm -hmm. know um and so i think that i think you would find that the shadow form ability it, while super unique is actually not as strong as it appears on the surface uh it's just information like everything about the shadow form is a lack of information on the enemy side um well and it wouldn't it wouldn't be bad because if it's if, if it's got evolutions to it mm -hmm. like having shadow form and then and you only get this at level your six. full moon form right like you having your shadow form and your full moon form absolutely incentivizes you to do some dumb things and oh yeah this just be like jungle invade extraordinaire and just mm -hmm. play in the most solo queue based non-helpful teammate in the world but getting that at level mm -hmm. six puts you a little bit in check with it. And I imagine this as a play style, having a hybrid of like wanting to do Dodrio things, but without the insane move speed of uh, Dodrio. So anyways, um, so this is important, the, the um, boosted and basic attacks. So the idea is in new moon form, when you're in the shadow version, you're a melee character. Now, all of this is special attack, right? So you only scale your damage similar to Gengar off the boosteds, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. with every third attack, you become a boosted and you get to dash to a target and strike it with an auto crit that scales on special. Um, so, but you still obviously have to hit it a couple times first before you get that dashing crit. Then sure. in full moon form, you be, you gain a fixed moonbeam range attack, kind of like Charizard. But each of these strikes has a little bit of lifesteal on it. Um, so you can't scale its attack speed like Charizard. You can't scale its attack speed. It's just a static breathing fire on things, right? Um, but instead you're firing moonbeams. But uh, you get that lifesteal potentially. So And you become ranged. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then at level six, you have a move which is completely tied to which form you're in. And when you switch forms, you switch moves, although they share a cooldown. I'm not into that whole Blaziken thing. Um, no. <laughs> so uh, if you're in full moon form, you have moonlight. And so you're this big radiant, you know, uh, moon bat. And so in full moon form, you gain um, the ability to toggle this and you get three seconds of increased move speed and you'll heal 25% of health over that time. So across three seconds, you'll heal in chunks um, up to 25% of your health and you gain increased move, increased move speed. This is to get you out of trouble as you're sailing over barriers. Okay. Yeah. You have the most, yeah. How, what's the shortest line between two points? You, you take it. Right. And so you, the idea, again, you're moving and soaring in the sky around the map. Now, obviously it's not a dash move. Okay. 
It's just increased move speed and you get a little bit of healing. All right. The other side, if you're in the, the shadow form, the, the new moon form, you have phantom force. Again, they share a cooldown where you get to become invisible for six seconds and then you can activate it again to dash to an enemy dealing uh, damage and gaining increased attack speed. Why attack speed? So you can get your boosteds and get a crit. Mm. And again, in this uh, shadow form, you're a melee character. So this is what you want anyways. Now, uh, at level seven, you get the other moveset, which is, uh, in my opinion, kind of the cool one where you choose one at the beginning when you get to level seven and they have slightly different effects depending on which form you're in. So throughout the game, you'll get to be playing on both sides of it, right? So you'd get either Moon Geist Beam, where you fire a beam of damage, kind of like a hyper beam or something like that. You know, uh, you damage enemies that you hit. It can hit multiple people if they're all stacked up in a line. And when it's in this, uh, the new moon form, it has a, a higher crit chance. But when it's in the full moon form, it ignores shielding and applies a slow. But it cannot crit. There you go. I like that. Yep. that there's your balance, is that it can't crit. Right. Now, uh, the other move uh, is called Night Days. And in the new moon form, it deals damage and applies a silence for 1.5 seconds. Kind of like in prison on a single target. Okay. Yeah, it's a single target. It's a single target. Yeah. It's a single target um, attack that you kind of imagine a short range lock on. um, And then Mm -hmm. um, they're silenced. But if you're in full moon form, it deals damage and causes them to miss their basic attacks. For the next 1.5 seconds. I imagine that mm. number would upgrade. Kind of like the uh, Leaf Tornado from uh, Eldegoss. So the idea being here is you have your assassin build. You have your assassin moveset where you're going to sneak around, jump someone, silence them, finish them off with your boosted attacks. Or jump someone and blast them with a beam that can crit. Right? On the flip side, you have a ultimate, almost attacker, all-rounder style duelist. Where you're at range, you're making them miss attacks. But again, all of these effects that you've got going on in this, you know, moonlight build, they're really not good at getting at taking on an entire team. Both of these builds are built for 1v1s, but the moon, the the full moon build is gonna be great at kiting out a defender and blasting them with basic attacks and beams. And the mm-hmm. assassin one is gonna be great for jumping onto squishy attackers blowing them up and then switching to your uh your full moon form and sailing away into the moonlight yeah just two very different game style plans and and knowing when to switch between them knowing which one to start a fight with because there's on a cooldown or potentially on a death reset or something like that's gonna be heavily impactful and you're and it's going to be highly skill expressive which i imagine similar to zashin even if it came out a little bit overtuned you still have to be able to know what you're going to do. And this, I imagine this is a character that although it has a little bit of healing here and there, this does this is not tanky. This guy's a, it's a speedster. It's squishy. Okay. Well, I imagine the, he- I imagine the healing to be substantial, but the health, the overall total health pool is not right. Exactly. And then finally the unite move, I was just trying to think of something that felt really epic. Right. Um, and it's maybe a, it's not tied to which phase of the moon you're in or anything. It's just a cool epic ability that should be a little bit because the rest of the kit is complicated. I wanted this to be simple. The idea is it, it's called eclipse beam. You soar into the air, move, going off the map, right? And in, and are you're replaced with like a moon sized um, shadow over an area. Think like maybe a Blastoise's ult, like 
radius. You know what this reminds me of? This uh, reminds me of uh, Snake's ultimate in uh, Super Mario Brawl, like in Smash Brothers Brawl, oh, I, where he like I don't know it well enough. Where so so he he was like I got you in my sights, and he jumps off the map, and then he appears like like in first person, like really close to the screen. He's hanging off of like uh, a helicopter ladder, and he's like firing like you just get a target on the screen and he's firing um <laughs> like bazooka bombs onto the screen well i don't know about all that but similarly similar to similarly it. you fly into the air there's like a large radius of shadow cast over the map and over the next three seconds uh every half second a moonbeam will randomly strike a target ally or enemy if it hits an ally it heals them if it hits an enemy it damages them and then after the three seconds, Lunala crashes back down in the very center of this large area, so only in this tight center, dealing damage to anyone directly beneath it. So the idea here, if you're isolating one person and you manage to stun or slow them, and then you leap up into the air, all of those beams over the next three seconds are only going to target the one person. But if you're in a team fight, they're going to randomly select targets. Again, meaning that like you can't just sit over Rayquaza throw this in the air and have all six strikes hit Ray, unless that's the only thing there. And that doesn't sound overly powerful because it's the random effect. Like right. Anytime you add randomization to an ability, like it, it automatically loses a little bit of its ceiling. Right. And so what you would do is it would do good damage and it would do good healing. Right. And more importantly, as a speedster, it's a get out of jail free card for a few seconds right? Yeah, that's probably the more applicable piece of it. Right. Uh, but the effect, it's random and it's also weaker in big groups. Because again, I envision this Pokemon Lunala being the ultimate duelist. All it wants is 1v1s because it has so many options at how it wants to take the 1v1 fight. So Yeah, and I, I imagine you could probably throw something in there with that too where it's like when, when Lunala comes back down it has 50% it has 50% of its total health bar more than it did when it, when it went up. Yeah, I mean, you could still keep your, like, just like you do when you press a Unite move, you could scale it so that she gets, you know, more shields than something else or more move speed than something else. Like, you would tinker with that so that it felt appropriate. But, yeah, that's my pitch for that's, Lunala. It's a very flexible kit that does require, like, a good pilot and a... But, but it's very rewarding if you have that type of skill expression to be able to switch between the different Dude, forms. This, this is a, and that's a, and that's a, that's a form switching. That's interesting. Right. And this is a, and it's, and it's intentional. It's not just this, like you build up the mega charge and it swaps and then whatever um, it's yeah. tactical. And this is something that like, dude, if onion had this character, like, like this is something that would just be super lethal in someone's hands. Like, you know, like yeah. onion to be able to like quickly dash around figure out the right thing for the right scenario and take all of these tactical 1v1s like yeah um so anyways those are our pitches gibby unfortunately was going to come up with a second one ended up not having time maybe we'll have to add your second one to a future episode um but that is the end that is what we have for you today we ranted and then we said okay but let's solve the problem uh and so we designed some hopefully you guys would agree cool interesting and fun legendary pokemon that unlike what the devs have done have some sort of built-in counterplay or drawback to keep things balanced and interesting um that's gonna do it for today anything else you got for our audience before we uh get on out of here gibby 
I don't. Uh, thank you guys for listening as always. We really appreciate it. We love playing. We love playing Pokemon Unite. We in when the game is healthy, and we appreciate everybody listening to AOS Airwaves. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys. As Gibby said, we do appreciate you listening. Of course, check out the Discord, the Camp Legend Discord, where you can post and ask questions about the show. You can chat with us about anything that you uh, that you want to talk about Pokemon Unite or really anything else. You can also check out the Patreon. We are going to, like I said. Uh, have a ton of Lorcana content up up at the up on the Patreon uh, that you can check out if you're interested in that. If you're not, good news, and you just care about uh, Unite, you can check out the PUCL, which we're going to link in the uh, in the comments or in the uh, in the description below. Watch us play. Uh, I that would be awesome. Go in the chat and say go past Prime Apes. Uh, we'll be super excited if you do that. Uh, we need more fans. <laughs> yeah, we need more fans. Really, we're the only NA team in an EU league, and uh, you know, I wish we could say we were particularly well liked, but I just don't think that's the case. <laughs> the the admins like us, uh, <laughs> but anyways. They do. We're, we're going to get out of here. Uh, all of that stuff's in the description. You can jump in the Discord if you have any additional questions. And as always, don't forget to have fun, show up to Rayquaza, and for the love of God, please ping your lanes, especially when there's a Mewtwo in the game. That's You just got to be on top of it. Anyways, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.